Armstrong and BJ. This is this very special Sunday edition of Pushing Through. I am in North Carolina. I am at the lake. You are in LA, so we are a coast apart, but we are still together. So it's it's great to see you on Zoom, and it's great to uh, catch up because we got a lot of NBA news that's going around right now. Yes, we do, my good friend. We have a lot of NBA <laughs> news to catch up on. We have you in North Carolina. We got to find yep. out how all of that went. You look great. You look like you've been eating a lot of fried food right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do when they come here. You yeah, know I mean? you, yeah. go to, you go to Bojangles like five times. Yeah, I know you're not you, the biggest you, fan you, of Bojangles. You, you have this glow about you right now <laughs> that you've just been consumed with fried food right now. And barbecue. That's uh, my mom made barbecue last night. Oh, I got some coleslaw. Beautiful. You know what I mean? It's, the, it's everything that you're looking for. But uh, it's great to be back home. It's great to be in North Carolina. You know, we were safe in the bubble. We got we got some college basketball. I know you're doing your best to avoid college basketball. We're going to talk about that at the end because our two schools play this week. But before we get to all that, we got uh, we got big news in the NBA, big trade news. This is uh, you were a point guard. You were the point guard whisperer. Everyone that listens to this program has, has picked up on that by now. But two feature point guards in the NBA, John Wall and Russell Westbrook, they they're, they trade for each other. Basically, uh, they have similar contracts. John Wall goes to Houston. Russell Westbrook goes to Washington. Russell Westbrook's not going to wear number four. But just your first thoughts, BJ, because it seems like the media, they, they do not like this trade or they, or they made fun of this trade or it's a joke to everybody else. But I think these are two all-star cal- you know, caliber guys that get traded and maybe they can make their teams that they go to uh, contenders for real. Well, when you look at the economics or the contracts of both of these players, mm-hmm. you know, first thing that comes to mind is who's going to trade for those players in those contracts? Yep. And most of us in the media said there's no place or no one, no general managers that's going to make a trade for that contract. Yep. Well, lo and behold, you not only found one team that was willing to do it, you found two teams and they virtually just, you know, swap players, John mm-hmm. Wall for Russell Westbrook, because none of us thought that those contracts were tradable contracts when they were signed back then, let alone now, especially John Wall coming off of an injury, a significant injury. I an Achilles guess. injury, yes. Yes, and you didn't think that that was possible. But you now we're here and we have this trade. I think the big question that I'm asking with this trade is what does this mean for James Harden? He's mm. been unusually quiet during this period of time. We haven't heard anything about him. We haven't heard anything from Houston. There's been no comments virtually, you know, it's been radio silent over there. But nonetheless, we have a trade. We have Russell Westbrook going there to Washington. We have John Wall seem like he's excited to go to Houston. And here we are. And the season's about to start here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, which is crazy. Like you said, we have a couple of weeks before the actual season tip off. You know, usually these moves happen and you have, you know, a couple of months to digest the moves. The players can get ingratiated in their new situations. But like you said, they're in training camp right now. So John Wall is going to walk into Houston. He's going to have James Harden next to him. He's going to have P.J. Tucker, a guy that's also from Raleigh. They go way back. Chris Clemens is another young guy on the team from Raleigh. So John Wall has some familiar faces. And maybe the most familiar face is Boogie Cousins in Houston. Um <laughs> 
I, I found that fascinating because the BJ, you know, you and I, we've been around basketball for quite some time. Ever since those two came in the league at the same time, we, we always would hear those rumblings. What, what if Boogie got with John Wall? What if they teamed up? And now they finally do team up, and it seems like nobody cares <laughs> that, that, that they've teamed up. Well, yeah, I mean, make no doubt about it. You know, both of those players, in particular, you know, Boogie, Cullen, Boogie Cousins, yep. before his injury, prior to the injuries that he has sustained over the last couple of years, he was off question one of the top 10, 15 players in the NBA. He was playing the game at a very high level. Absolutely. But now with the injuries – and the injury to John Wall, we don't know where these players are going to be. I mean, they both had Achilles injuries, so we never had, know what that looks like. You yeah. never know what that looks like. So uh, big names. We know they're terrific dancers. You know, they both <laughs> could do the Dougie and do all of the things. I don't know. You probably could give us an example here <laughs> of how to Dougie. I can just do the John Wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do the John Wall. You could do that. But, you know, when those guys were at, in the University of Kentucky, I mean, they were electric. You know, they yeah. were. They were. They were an inside out outside you know duo that you know you had to really deal with but now we don't know where that's at so we'll see they have big names obviously mm -hmm. hopefully for them they'll return back somewhere near where they were at i don't think it's what at this point we should expect them to reach that level especially in this year but mm -hmm. hopefully they will return back to form and most importantly that they'll get out there and be able to play during the course of the year but right now i'm just really fired up to see you do the John Wall and do the Dougie. Yeah. To me, that is the show right now. Will Tate do the mm. Dougie? Yeah, you already know that. I'll, I'll do what I need to do. I, I, I remember when the John Wall did the Dougie the first time he came out, you know, with the Washington Wizards and the, the pundits were very upset. But you have to understand, like, John Wall, he loves the game of basketball. I know he, there's a lot of gripe about right. him, you know, but he does love the game. He, he enjoys uh, the competition of the game. He and Russell Westbrook are very similar in that sense, I would say. They're more old-school guys. Like, Russell Westbrook said, I don't have any friends in the league. John Wall famously said, you know, two weeks prior, he has no he has no friends in the league. <laughs> so I think it's a good well, fit. I'm a little you know? concerned that they don't have any friends in the league. I mean, there's like 450 guys. I mean, you would think – the odds are pretty good that they should have at least one friend. You know, they I, don't have I, any friends in the in the league. So, well, the hope is that they find some friends. And, and on the flip side, Russell Westbrook goes to Washington. He gets his old coach Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks is obviously excited to have Russell Westbrook back on his team. Bradley Beal. Um, you know, there was a lot of narrative conversation always about Bradley Beal and John Wall. They don't like each other, yada, yada, yada. Bradley Beal puts out this really nice message after John Wall leaves and says, I don't know NBA basketball without John Wall next to me. I, I appreciate everything that we went through together. We, we had kids around the same time. We we've gone through life together, and I'm going to miss him. He's a brother to me. And I, I thought just from that vantage point, it was great to see because I think we all get caught up in the, you know, the super teams. These two stars don't fit with each other, whatever it may be, the drama of it all. Um, so it was great to see Bradley Beal have that respect for John Wall and, I, and also John Wall to have the respect from Washington after he left the city. He'd been there for 10 years. Yes, it is. It's, it's always great to see young players, especially Bradley Beal and, and John Wall, have an understanding of there's a lot of outside things that are being said. But internally, no yeah. you, you, you see what these young people, what they mean to each other. Because both of them, you've watched their careers kind of, even though they've been on the same team individually, you know, John Wall had a run, Bradley Beal took a backseat, suddenly John Wall gets hurt, then Bradley Beal takes a run. So yep. you kind of, you know, the, the whole thing there in Washington for me as I was watching was when can they actually put it together and they can both play the game together at a very high level? Because they're individually, 
you know, they were all stars. Yeah, they're all star caliber players. And unfortunately, it never it never happened for them for a sustained amount of time where they could actually play and play the game together at that high level. But give those guys kudos and the respect for recognizing the talent in one another and what this league means, because in the end, they'll look back on their career and say, you know what? It didn't happen for us while we were there together in Washington, but we both benefited from playing together, whether how short or how long it was by playing together because they both have benefited. Yeah, and absolutely. John, you know, mentored Bradley as he came into Washington. You know, he was a few years behind him. So there was a relationship there that, you know, Bradley just said, you know, he taught me how to be a pro at some level. So I appreciate that. So it was good to see. And then just from the basketball standpoint, looking at that backcourt in Washington, and maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit. We talked about we want Westbrook to have a new home, a new place that he can invest in. He has a familiar, you know, situation with Coach Brooks there. This seems to me like that backcourt, the Westbrook and Beal, there's a chance they can make some noise. I'm not going to say that they're going to, you know, be a contender for a championship or contender to win the East by any means, but I do think they're fun and they have Hachimura. They have some young guys, some young pieces that they can build around there in Washington. Well, on paper, you know, this is the thing that we do now more than anything. We look at these teams on paper. <laughs> we we're love like, paper. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we trade these players around and we're like, oh, this is what he did there. And then we just transfer it to, to another situation. Well, yep. here's the thing that, Tate, as I talk to the general managers and executives around the league, which we don't take into account anymore, that's called chemistry. Mm. The chemistry. We don't know how Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are going to fit. Mm-hmm. We don't know how they're going to fit. We don't know how, you know, Coach Brooks has, what's his vision to utilize these players. The most important thing, Tate, when you talk about putting together a team is you need time to build the chemistry, build the team, figure out what's what, who's who, how you're going to play, so forth and so on. By the way, you know, you know, training camp is about two weeks before the yeah. first game. Now, crazy madness. It's it's pure madness. So I expect if this experiment is going to work, it'll probably be around February or March of this year before we finally understand the the possibilities on whether it can work or not, because they have a lot of moving parts. Don't forget, they got Robin Lopez there now. Yeah. Russell Westbrook. You know, he's coming. Bradley Beal, so forth and so on. All of the players that they have to get together. And then you have COVID. And you have all of these other things they're going to put into play. And then we're going to see how this is going to work. So I think we have to be patient. I do like the competitive spirit. I shouldn't even say like, I love the competitive spirit of Russell and what he's going to bring. But clearly Bradley Beal deserves the respect to figure out how they're going to integrate their talent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think they have to come there and come to a mutual understanding of how they're going to play. Because both of those players are very dynamic. They both are explosive. They can score. They can score in bunches. And they're going to have to figure out how to complement one another because, you know, Russell puts up massive numbers. Bradley Bill can do the same. And they're both going to have to figure out how to share that responsibility with one another. But if, you know, if it's possible, they can have a very potent backcourt. Because, I mean, those two coming in your coming to your place, Mm-hmm. You got to look out for those guys. I mean, it's conceivable, Tate, that they can both give you a 40-piece with some barbecue sauce on any <laughs> given night. <laughs> I mean, I mean, 
this could be something intriguing if they can figure out that delicate mix or balance that you need to play with one another, especially when your scores like those two. Yeah, I remember uh, Coach Sir said this on our show, and it kind of stuck with me. He said, it's the coach's job to define roles for his players, and it's the player's job to accept those roles as they are defined, right? And that is going to be the hardest part of the most interesting part of both these situations. In Washington, you know, once Coach Brooks defines the roles and says, you know, Bradley, you're this guy for this team, or Russell, you're this guy for this team, or Thomas Bryant, you're this guy for this team – then they have to execute that once those roles are defined, and I think that'll be the interesting part. But talk about competitiveness. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal are both you know, cut from a different cloth in that sense. They both want to compete. They both love the game of basketball. So I find that fascinating. And then you know, on the flip side, looking at Houston, you know, Coach Silas comes in his first year. He's got to be able to define those roles. But I do think John Wall is a pass-first point guard. I mean, he is a one of the fastest point guards in the league. He, he's on a straight line at all times, but he does have great vision and he has the ability to not take the ball, you know, away from James Harden. So if you're a Houston fan, maybe there's a little bit of excitement there just knowing that. Well, if you look at it from the outside, like we're currently doing right now, I yep. think the more difficult challenge is for the Houston franchise to figure out how to utilize James Harden, especially in the style of play that he's come accustomed to playing with under Mike D'Antoni. Yep. I'm going to assume probably with, you know, it's, it's probably good to assume that coach Silas is going to have a different system, mm -hmm. but James Harden has thrived under where he is the dominant ball handler in that the, system. Yeah. And the initiator, thrived. whatever you want to call he's him. He's the yep. initiator. He's a score <laughs> passer. He does it all for them and he's thrived and he's played the game arguably in the last three to four years, he's been one, two, or three. I mean, he's been MVP. Yep. If he's not MVP, he's he's second in the voting. He's been a dominant, dominant offensive threat. Make no doubt about it. Now, John Wall is coming back. John Wall is a ball-handling guard. He is not a spot-up shooter. He doesn't attack the basket with the ability to score like Russell Westbrook on a consistent basis, but he can score the ball. So I think it's going to be much more challenging for Coach Silas to figure out how to utilize these players and, by the way, try to win some games. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be much more much more difficult for him, Coach Silas, to do it than would it be for Coach Brooks. But we'll see. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll divide up, you know, the, the minutes per se with ball handling duties, so forth and so on. But I think Coach Silas has a – tall task ahead of him because if things don't start out well there in Houston and let's say James Harden does start the season out there in Houston I think that's the recipe for a disaster for the Houston Rockets because there's going to be a lot of finger pointing in my opinion if they don't start out you know eight and two or you know seven and three so forth and so on if they're like five and five or four and six or something like that I think there's going to be, uh, the, you know, it has to, it has a chance to be a really bad situation and get there really quickly. Yeah, the pundits, the media pundits, they always, you know, with every one of these teams, they, you know, you hear people say, let's blow it up. Let's blow up the roster. Right. And the Rockets are one of those teams that, you know, people had pointed out for the past few years with Daryl Morey. And Morey made the Chris Paul trade, made the Westbrook trade, tried to make these last-ditch efforts to keep that core unit together. But like you said, if they start out slow, James Harden looks around the league and says, I want to be on a contender now. You know, those right. those trade rumblings and rumors, that they keep coming, and then the Rockets actually, quote-unquote, have to blow it up and lose a, a guy that they traded for in 2012 to, to help change that franchise. And obviously, James Harden has been 
Yeah, you know, like you said, he's top three MVP for the past four years. So we know what the talent is. Um, and so we'll see what those expectations are. Uh, on the flip side of that, just looking at the contenders, BJ, across the board, I mean, the Nets have been discussed and, you know, the Clippers and the Nuggets. I mean, there seems to be a lot of teams that are vying for the championship in the NBA. And obviously we have the Lakers who are at the mountaintop right now. It does seem like, I know we're talking about a lot of different players moving, but it does seem like there is a little bit of an air of excitement because a lot of a, a lot of teams, even the Miami Heat included, the Bucks, obviously, the Sixers with Doc Rivers there now, a lot of teams think that they are in position to go for a championship. I didn't even mention the Raptors, who won two years ago, right. and obviously have a great roster as well. Yeah, there are a lot of teams. I think there there's a lot of hope in the NBA Yep, coming into the season. And there was a lot of optimism in the bubble. There were a lot of teams who felt they could have won the championship this past season with ultimately the Los Angeles Lakers becoming victorious and winning the championship in the 1920 season. But this 2021 season, the Clippers still feel they have a chance. Yep. The Denver Nuggets feel they have a chance. The Boston Celtics feel they have a chance. Yep. The Philadelphia 76ers feel they have a chance. So there are a lot of teams right now that feel they have an opportunity to go out there and grab that Larry O'Brien trophy. Now, the L Los Angeles Lakers, <laughs> on paper, they've retooled. Mm -hmm. They've, you know, they they are in position, if everything goes well for them, to compete and potentially win another championship this year. So we'll see how this plays out. I think this is going to be a new season because of the travel. It's going to be a new season because of all of the challenges that you have with travel, COVID, all of the things that you're going to have during the course of a regular season. But the one thing that we can't overlook is there are no fans in the building. Mm -hmm. I didn't anticipate the impact that was going to have. But when you look at how players were shooting and how players were performing with no fans in the building, you have to take that into account. You know, one of the teams neither one of us mentioned were the Milwaukee Bucks. And yep. by the way, they had the best record in the league. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, and, and maybe the best player in the league by some people's opinion. Absolutely. If he's not yeah. number one, he's number two. Or yep. he's 1A. Mm -hmm. So, there are teams, there are, you know, groups and players who feel they have a chance to win. But you can't underestimate not having fans in the building. Because I think on the road, that gives the visiting team an advantage mm -hmm. because they don't have to deal with the fans. They don't have to deal with all of the noise. But this time, unlike in the bubble, they're going to have to travel. So I yep. think that's going to make a difference. I think home court will actually come into play. I didn't know which team was home or away <laughs> when I was in the bubble. I was just, yep. you know, the guys were playing. But I think that will have some effect to what effect. I don't know, but we'll certainly find out here in the next, uh, you know, coming weeks or so. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The gyms may not be full, but there's definitely no shortage of madness this college basketball season. For us fans, the college basketball powers that be have gifted us with a top-tier matchup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's right. We have North Carolina, my alma mater, taking on BJ's alma mater, Iowa. Get in on all the action thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all college basketball fans who sign up now the chance to win $100 when betting on either Iowa or North Carolina to win this Clash of the Titans. Plus, 
you get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code LASTDANCE. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet, from live betting to betting on your favorite players. They do it all. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code LASTDANCE when you sign up for your shot to turn $1 into $100. That's right, bet $1 to win $100. You pro use promo code LASTDANCE during sign to take advantage of these great offers for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first spot deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call one 800 Nine with it and I think uh, you know Dame Lillard I heard him doing an interview uh you know with the Portland press before the season they asked him about the bubble and they said was it easier in the bubble and you know most of you know we've had some guys say yes some guys say no there's always been kind of a mix uh you know response with this but I think he gave the best answer which was yes you know because one there were no fans in there and then when he got done with the game he went straight into recovery he was like, I went back, I, 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 I went straight into recovery mode, then That's I went right. straight to my bedroom and I went to sleep and I woke up the next day refreshed. There was no, you know, like you said, going to the airport, taxiing to the airport, getting on a plane, flying in the air. All those sorts of things weigh on your body, even if you don't realize it in the moment. So I, I find that fascinating, like you said. And then if you don't have the fans to build some, some momentum or energy off of, it really is on you, the player, to create that for yourself. And that's always a fascinating show, social experiment at some level, too. Yeah, as an older player, I would have loved to have an opportunity to play in the bubble just because of yep. that one word, recovery. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that you appreciate as you get older. You know, your yep. ability to recover is not as quickly as it was when you were a younger player. So for Damian Lillard and those older players, LeBron James, mm -hmm. the bubble was like perfect. You played, you recover. And then when you're younger, you know, you go out, you want to go to dinner, you want to do those things and you have the energy to do it. But when you're older, you take that, you take that serious because your body just doesn't bounce back as quickly. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. I don't think the older players, especially because they've had such a short turnaround. Think about this. There's only been about 70 days or so that mm -hmm. the Lakers and the Miami Heat will have from the last game to the season. Mm -hmm. And then you put travel and you put all the other things on top of it. At some point, some, something has to give. So the older players, I would not be surprised if they begin to wear down during the course of this season just a little bit. Or, or if we see load management, you know what I mean? That yes. could be too something that happens as yes. well. Right? I, I think with the offseason being so short, especially those teams who advance later in the playoffs, in the bubble, I think those players are going to have to take some time because of all of the things that, you know, we talked about, travel, playing, recovery, and so forth and so on. I think you're going to have to manage those players because it could, it could take a toll. And then when you get later in the season, you know, you could see some dip. And I would not be surprised if that is the case. And that's why, to me, the Lakers are so fascinating, right? Because, like you said, they've had 70 days. LeBron James is 36 years old. Father time is undefeated. So recovery is important for him. And I think 
that's why the Schroeder and the Montrez Harrell signings are so important because if you have guys that can lead a second unit and get you points and keep you in a game and potentially help you win some games by having that kind of talent there coming off the bench, I'm not sure Schroeder and Montrez will come off the bench again, but let's say they do, that will help a team like the Lakers be able to kind of manage some of those games in the middle of the season as they get prepared for the playoffs, you would assume. Well, you know, we, we make a lot, Tate, about who's starting and who's coming off the bench. Yep. If you're going to win a championship in today's environment, in today's world, in real time today, you better have one thing called depth. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that I have noticed over the last four or five years. The team that has the depth to play the game at the highest possible level for 82 games plus the playoffs, because if you're going to advance, you're going to need the depth that's necessary. I really don't care if Schroeder or Montreal starts. What I do care about, or I think what the Lakers care about, is that they have the team where they can have 10, 11 guys who can play the game at that level, as, as long as their two star players are healthy. Mm -hmm. The health of their two star players, that's it's everything. Yeah. That, that, that is the most important thing. But if the other players, if they have the depth to get them through the regular season, and if they're as healthy as possible as you saw they were in the playoffs this year, now they're rolling. So the depth of the teams, right? Like Denver. Denver was mm -hmm. just a deep team. Because mm -hmm. if you're going to do this, if you're going to do it, you 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 have to be two players at every position. Mm -hmm. Okay? You have to be two players at every position if you're going to do it. So I think that's very important. I think that's the key because this thing that we call pace and space if you're moving that fast, well, you better make sure that you have as many healthy and fresh bodies as you can possibly get. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the days of playing at a slower pace are over. The days yeah. of playing, you know, 37, 38, 40 minutes a night and then plus the playoffs, I think, are over because of how fast mm -hmm. and how athletic the players are. So I think that's very important. So I, I like the Schroeder. I like the Montrez pickup. But I also like the other players that they have that they're picking up because you're going to need as many players as many healthy bodies as you can possibly get out there to play the game at that level and we kind of learned that lesson when you look at the Warriors right I mean once injuries sort of hit that team last year we saw that that the, the depth wasn't there there was a lot of young guys Kai Bowman's of the world that ended up having to be premier players because once you lose Steph and Clay and Draymond's in and out of the lineup there was no secondary depth to that team because a lot of the money was on the front end, and obviously that's, that's what happens with championship teams. You have to pay those guys, and we all understand that, but I, I think you're right. I mean, the Miami Heat had Jay Crowder, Iguodala, all these guys, Solomon Hill, that they could throw yes. out at one position. Right. Depth, depth is important, and uh, obviously there's a lot of talent, talented guys in the NBA, and it'll be fascinating. One last thing before we, before we get out of here. Is there any team, BJ, that maybe is off the beaten path? I know the Hawks made some upgrades you know, this offseason that people like a lot. Um the Nuggets are somehow always forgotten when we talk. I mean, they made the Western Conference final, but they they, they aren't you know talked about as much. Dame Lillard, obviously, in the in the Trailblazers, they had a great bubble. Um, you know, they came up short against the Lakers, but before that, they were amazing to get into the playoffs. The Grizzlies have Ja Morant in his second year. We expect them to make some sort of leap. But is there any young team that you think of that you're like, I'm I'm intrigued to see what this team looks like next year? Well, you said young, so I, I'll yeah. start there. But I am intrigued by a few. But I'll say young. Mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued by the Memphis Grizzlies because okay. of John Morant. Mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued. And there's a lot of talk, deservingly so, around Zion. When he is when he is healthy, Zion is a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, can he maintain his health 
and do those things. And the combination of him and Steven Adams. I mean, it's kind of intriguing because it kind of counterintuitive of what the NBA is going to. The NBA is going small and then New Orleans is getting bigger. (laughs) And so I'm kind of intrigued to see how Zion is going to play and perform. And I'm intrigued to see what he's done with his body. Mm-hmm. What is what did he learn from year one that he's going to transfer to year two that's going to make an impact? But the young team that I'm looking looking at right now that I'm really intrigued with is the Memphis Grizzlies, just because they played some meaningful games late in the season and no mm-hmm. one talked about them. Yep, the play-in game, obviously. The play-in remember game. against. Yep. Now the team that has made the most significant off-season. Tr- you know, transactions that really has got my attention are the Detroit Pistons mm. because they've changed their culture. Clearly they are trying to upgrade their talent. We don't know how that's going to respond. We don't know how that's going to transfer to wins, but what we do know is that they've added a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Can't argue that. And they've added toughness to this group and they are really concerned about building their culture, which is we're here to compete. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I like the mixture that they have of veteran players, the Derrick Roses of the world, the Blake Griffins of the world, with this mix of young guys, Jeremy Grant, Josh Jackson, Mason Plumley, And then you yep. put all of this together and you'll have a competitive group. Now, how many wins that's going to turn out? I have no idea. I mean, I, I really don't know. Now, far as two teams that I'm placing ex- expectations on that I'm 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 like fascinated with is yeah. how Steve Kerr, Coach Kerr mm-hmm. as I like to call him, and he always yeah, yeah. asks me, "Don't call him Coach Kerr," right? <laughs> <laughs> but Coach Kerr, I have to call him Coach Kerr. Yeah, yeah. What does this mean for the Warriors now? Mm. The Warriors have gone through just about every single thing that you can possibly go through. They've lost free agents. They've had injuries, guys have retired, guys have gotten traded, guys have gotten hurt. Mm -hmm. They've done just about everything you could possibly do. And now here we are with about as healthy as they've been, considering everything that we've talked about and everything they've gone through with this group. And what does this mean? Because anytime you have Steph Curry on the floor, that's going to raise the expectations. Mm -hmm. So I'm... I mean, I, I'm going to watch every game. Yep, I'm, I'm fascinated to see. I mean, because right now we know Clay obviously you know, Clay is going to be out. Okay. Yeah, but we have we have Wiggins at the two. Right. We we assume Kelly Oubre at the three. Kelly Oubre has proved himself to be a, if not a, you know, an adequate small forward, a guy that you know could really compete to be one of the best in the league if right. all things come together. You have Draymond. We know what Draymond offers to the table, and they have some more depth, like we were talking. And about they before. have Wiseman. And they have Wiseman. Yeah, the number two pick. Right. Yeah. Number two. Can't forget the number two pick. So mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated to see this balancing act mm-hmm. that coach is going to have to do, which is address his star player and compete and win now, but also bring along perhaps the future, which is Wiseman, to make sure that he's coming along nicely because he could be the face of the franchise some years down the, down the road. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do. I, I mean, I, I'm like, because I think Steve Kerr will have to do a masterful job. This will be a master's class 
on what the NBA is really all about. Because you have a 19-year-old kid, you have a 30-year-old former MVP who's playing at the he, he's playing at you know he's playing the game at the highest level. Yep. And then how are you going to balance that? And by the way, try to compete for a championship. That's a lot on anyone's plate. The second team over in the East is the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. Okay. Yep. You can't deny Giannis, not one, two-time MVP. Yep. Defensive player of the year. I can't allow this team to not to have the expectation to win the championship. Mm -hmm. They have to be in the conversation with a player of that caliber because of his dominance that he has he has displayed over the last two years. I'm really fascinated to see how they're going to respond after last year's performance in the bubble. Mm -hmm. To me, their first 10 or 15 games of this season. It's kind of like a mental check-in to see where they are as a team. Where Exactly. I, I, very well put. I'm just going to say exactly what you said. This is a mental check-in. Is this team here to compete? Have mm -hmm. they given up? Have they thrown in the towel? Is this I'm a lame duck them, year? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to give them a 10 to 15 game stretch to find out who, what, and where they're going to be. Mm -hmm. That's like KRS. Who, what, where, <laughs> why, or when? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> I, I think that, for me, with the Milwaukee Bucks, is very important and will tell me everything I need to know about the franchise and mm -hmm. about Giannis. Mm -hmm. Where is he at in this fit? So those two teams, Milwaukee, you know, Golden State, I'm going to have my eye on. I know I'm going to have my television on those two games, on those two teams, along with those young teams. But overall, I guess I'm back. I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> I think I'm ready for some NBA action here right now, my friend. Yeah, I think uh, the craziest thing when you said those two teams, all I think about is in the 2019 All-Star Game in Charlotte. Steph Curry, who, like you said, he's at the peak of his powers on top of the world. The Warriors, they're unstoppable. They have Kevin Durant. How do we stop the Warriors? He throws an alley-oop that's a bounce pass to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He dunks it. That was sort of a, you know, people have pointed that out, that these guys like playing with each other. But it also said that these are the two stars of the league right here. You know, Curry and Giannis, that could be the finals. Most people thought that season. And now we're at the point where we're trying to see if they're still at that level which I think is fascinating to look at Drew Holiday goes to the Bucks. Chris Middleton's an all-star obviously there and Giannis is 26 and I think you know I always like to remind people Jordan never won a title until he was 27 right. so so you have to have time to let someone get to that point to be a champion Giannis is still 26 he's obviously been in the league longer came in at 18 but he is still finding his footing and, and I'm excited to see if he is ready to take that leap to to at least make the finals, right? If they get to the finals, that says a lot about this Bucks team and and I find them fascinating as well. So we'll we'll keep up with the Warriors, see where they are, we'll keep up with the Bucks. Um, and, and I'm excited for the NBA season. I know we don't have the, the the right amount of time to get these teams probably to to the hundred percent peak of their powers with training camp and the quick turnaround, but there is fascinating storylines and uh, I'm excited to have basketball back. Yeah, it, it is. And you know, I didn't know what to expect, you know, in the bubble. Yep. I didn't know what to expect now that it's back free agency. But I will say this a couple things before this season starts. There are a lot of good players who are out there now who don't have jobs. Mm. And that's and part of that is because of the numbers and the numbers added up because of G League and COVID. Yep. There are a yep. lot of really quality, quality players. 
who probably, if you put all those players together, they probably could win some games in the NBA. It's really <laughs> yeah. good players. Just because of the numbers and mathematically because of there is no G League, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning two-way players and players who would normally go down to the G League, which would make roster spots for those players. Now that is taken off the table. So mm -hmm. the one, the storyline that I'm really, you know, keeping my eye on is how we're going to deal with COVID, mm. how we're going to deal with injuries, and how we're going to replace players with 10 days because of COVID. You can't just get a player and that player will be there tomorrow. You're going to need a, 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 at least a two-week window to replace those players if a player yeah. gets injured or a player gets COVID. It's not mm. like the NFL or it's not like other sports where, you know, they play on once or twice a week like a collegiate you know, collegiate sports, or they're playing once a week in the NFL. You might have a back-to-back. -back, you, know? you might have a back-to-back. So you may miss six, seven, eight games, and that could be a significant a significant amount of time as your team is making a playoff push because of COVID. You know, it, I thought it was interesting how the NBA just kind of quietly said they're going to cancel, you know, All-Star Weekend. And my first thought was they're probably going to cancel All-Star Weekend figuring that they're going to probably have to cancel some games during the course of this season. Yeah, so it's a weekend they need to make up games potentially. That, that was my initial reaction mm -hmm. because we don't know how COVID is going to affect the league. Mm -hmm. We don't know if we look around in Europe and other places, you know, there's been some instances where teams have had six, seven, eight players mm -hmm. to miss games because of COVID. What if yeah. that happens in the NBA? How are you going to replace those players? What if injuries occur? Then we have to wait a, a minimum of two weeks to replace those players. So I'm interested to see with the health and how they're going to uh, how they're going to address this issue of how to have players ready to be replaced if need be, because none of us can predict what COVID is going to do for the upcoming season, 20 and 20, 2021 season. Yeah, the only person I trust to make any sort of prediction or at least try to figure out how to handle it is Dr. Leroy Sims. So if we, if we get if we get the doctor on the line, he's the only guy I'm relying on. That's the only person I'm listening to. Um, but uh, speaking of, I mean, one of the things that they're doing in response to that, the NBA, I want to call this the Christian Leitner rule. That's what I want to call it. But they're not going to test for uh, for marijuana this season. Um, I, I think that's I think that's good news for for NBA players. Maybe if they're a little stressed. I, I think I think that was one note that I saw that I was like a little bit of an upbeat kind of funny thing. Um, so that's good news, right, for NBA players if they needed a little, you know, relaxing okay. situation. So Don Nelson, Coach Nelson, Don, Donnie Ball is excited. Nelly, you know, Nelly Ball is excited for this as well. Willie Nelson also. Um, so that's one uh, news and note from the NBA. And then just the final note, BJ, before we get out of here, this is college basketball, but you went to Iowa famously. You know, you, you were a star at Iowa. I went to North Carolina. I was not a star at North Carolina, but I still am a fan of North Carolina basketball basketball they play each other this week are we, are we going to trash talk each other or are we going to both just you know watch this game peacefully objectively what, what do you think about that where are we now are you are you all in a what Lucha fun Garza? is it to watch the game peacefully <laughs> like hey, okay that's what I'm fun sure. and peace just doesn't match right <laughs> okay if we right, are winning good. the game i'm trash yeah. talking i don't know Love what it. you're gonna do but <laughs> I, i'm gonna cry if they're if winning i'm the game. winning i'm <laughs> trash talking if right. we're if we're not winning i'm going to be quiet <laughs> Okay. And, you know, as they say, I'm going to take my medicine. Woo. But if we are winning or we win this game, there will be no peace on my end. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. 
It will be chaos. <laughs> and well, you better pick that. up that phone. <laughs> All right. I'll pick up the phone. Uh, I'm excited to see the Tar Heels play. I'm excited to see your guy, Luca Garza. I love Coach McCaffrey. He's always been nothing but nice to me. Oh, so but he, I, he's great. He's the, he's the best. So I, I we will be watching that game. We will be talking about you know the Hawkeyes and the Heels, and we'll, well see what happens Maybe we should have there. a live stream. So all, That's what uh, I was saying. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll go live or tweet or we'll figure it out. But regardless, when that game happens on 12A, BJ and I will be tuned in. So if you're a Hawkeyes fan or a Heels fan, tune into us because you know, BJ will be talking junk to me and I'll be uh, doing my best to avoid uh, <laughs> the inevitable, the inevitable, which seems like a Hawkeyes win at home. But uh, we'll see. This has been another episode of Pushing Through. We appreciate you guys riding with us on this Sunday. And uh, BJ, we'll be back on Tuesday. I'll see you, my friend, and go Hawks. I'll be having my Hawkeye stuff all week. Oh, I see it in my head right now. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. We'll see you on Tuesday. All right. All right.